felt wrong as soon as I did it. It's like, <laughs> something's not right. Like, this isn't good. <laughs> Something isn't normal Something, here. Something's amiss. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Infertile Mafia. That's Kayla. And that's Sarah. And today we're talking about things that, what, feelings that hold you back or propel you forward. Feelings. <laughs> feelings. <laughs> the title of this, I like it. Do you? It just... You really got a hold on me. You read my mind. And in fact, I've already got it queued up. Ready? Oh. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> That's not the version I was thinking of. No? No. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles? What no. version were you thinking of? Well, there's two versions that I like. There's one by She and Him and The Beatles. Yes. Yeah, I almost played that one. <sighs> That's... Are you queuing it up? Oh. Yeah. See? The Beatles. Mm-hmm. That's the one I would have went with. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that one's really good, too. I like both of those. Yeah. They're all the same song. What's happening right now? (laughs) Anyway. No, I I felt like um, that phrase popped into my head because we were talking about how your feelings about doing fertility treatments can paralyze you that can really get a hold on you so oh that's where that that's that's the context that comes from everybody (laughs) yeah and then i saw that picture that you put on instagram yeah of jesse spano i'm so excited i'm so scared do you remember that show like what the episode was about yeah she was taking uppers (laughs) yeah i was like (laughs) (laughs) of course she was like she was straight up taking speed right she was taking speed it was like my middle school introduction to like oh that's what drugs do to you oh i was like five watching it i'm like (laughs) she's just really excited i guess really excited I'm so excited. <laughs> She's like bouncing I'm around the room. I'm so scared. And the pills fall from her hands dramatically. It was a pretty heavy episode for Saved by the Bell. You know, everyone loves Zach Morris. Mm-hmm. Me included. No, you're a screech he guy? Was actually, huh? <laughs> you're a screech guy? What? Oh, no. No one <laughs> likes screech. And there was a reason. Like, after... The show was over. He oh, went no. super weird. And Is I he think a creep? people Yeah. Oh no. And I think people could sense that about him. Mm. But Zach Morris was actually a really terrible person when you think about it. Oh. I like I had a crush on him. Look up on YouTube. Look up Zach Morris is trash. Oh, what is that? Zach Morris haters? <laughs> No, it's by Funny or Dire College Humor. And uh, it's just... They go through all his womanizing ways. Well, going through like an episode talking about 
how bad of a person he is. You're like, wow, I didn't think about that. Because he lies, cheats, and steals his way through high school. Because he's like good looking. Yeah. He can. And witty. Yeah. I mean, he is the popular guy you love to hate. Yeah. I just hated them myself (laughs) because they were mean to me. I hated them too, but I wasn't going to complain if they were my lab partner in physics. Yeah. The boys were actually meaner than the girls to me. The girls were just like, you're weird. I'm like, yeah, that's 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 true. true. (laughs) (laughs) So mafia matters. Sorry, we got way off track. We always do. I mean, I could talk about Saved by the Bell for hours. Before we go any further, I should probably also disclaimer, let everyone know I'm a little sick. So if my voice is driving you crazy, I apologize. I'm sorry. Your voice is sexy right now. <laughs> like Phoebe on Friends when she gets the cold. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> Smelly cat. <laughs> what are they feeding you? <laughs> and then her regular voice comes back. And she tries to kiss people and lick people with colds. Anyway. Just doesn't work. No. Doesn't really work that way. (laughs) Okay, so we were going to share a few articles before we talk about emotions. Yeah. Um, Do you have this article pulled up about the three-person IVF baby? I don't. Okay. Here, you Google it while I talk about the one I have. Or we don't have to talk about it. This is our new favorite thing to do at the top of... What's well, not new. We've been doing it for a while, but we love to, like, look up, you know, like, um, articles about fertility treatments or or technology or whatever. New stuff in the news and share it with you guys, whether we really like it or we think it's bogus or funny or whatever. Like the guy who injected himself with sperm last, last week. <laughs> Gross. So Sarah's going to talk about... A three-person IVF baby, and I'm going to talk about um, a woman who gave birth to triplets. One? Yeah. 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 Okay. I'll go first. I have it pulled up. Okay, you go first. So, in the UK, uh, three-person IVF has been given the go-ahead from the UK's fertility watchdog, and there may be trials at as soon as this year. For a three-person IVF, and if you're like, what's three-person IVF? It's where they take the egg of a donor, and they switch out some of the DNA from the intended mother, and the put mitochondrial the sperm. DNA, right? Yeah, and that's the only DNA that's passed down in the egg, right? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about genetics, really. If there are any REs out there that dare listen to this podcast. I'm going to guess there aren't any REs (laughs) listening to our podcast because they'd be hitting their head against a wall. Right. No. They don't want to become stupid. Stupider. Yeah. But if. Wow. (laughs) If there are. It would just make them depressed at the state of humanity. (laughs) How little we know. Yeah. But if anyone is listening and can explain this to us, that would be super helpful. You, I mean, it, it sounds pretty simple in theory. So they take like, a donor egg and then mitochondrial DNA from the, like you said, intended mother. Who, yeah. Like whoever's doing the IVF or who is inevitably going to raise the child. 
and they yes. somehow make, put it in the donor egg. Yeah, so they're like using the egg shell to house the DNA, the my- mitochondrial DNA of the intended mother, and then they, I'm guessing they do ICSI and inject it with the father's sperm and try to make it make a baby that way so the dna of the baby even though it's from a donor egg it's the dna of the mother or some of it or all of it i think most of it yeah like i I have so many questions (laughs) we need more see that's the problem that's like what people have an issue with they're like so what what are you doing whose dna is it are you making robot children (laughs) At the very least, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, crazy. Yeah. What will they come up with And then they can also use this to, like, fix mitochondrial diseases. Uh Uh-huh. Which is, so that would be messing with the genetics of offspring for generations to come, which in America, I think, is still illegal. So that's what's going on there and they don't even know like what happens to people born through this method because have they actually they haven't done it yet they just think they have the technology it hasn't actually resulted in a live birth yet no there have been at least two there in 2016 there was a baby boy born with the genetic information from three people in mexico that's insane because anything goes. So I guess you do get um, yeah. three. The donor eggs. Yeah. But just and like, then, how does that all shake out? Like, how do you, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's the question. That's the question. And then on January 5th, 2017, a baby girl was born with DNA from three people in the Ukraine. Wow. Uh, which... It was a technique called pronuclear transfer. Pronuclear transfer. Okay. So this is an article from Wired UK. So we'll link it in the show notes. Cool. Okay. Thank you for sharing. Now, I know you have some thoughts on the article I was going to talk about. <laughs> I do. I sent this to Sarah and she was like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> Um, okay, let's journey over to Ireland. Man, everything hap- everything's happening in the UK. So this woman, let me see if I can explain this. Okay, she has PCOS. She was severely overweight. And so she's on the NHS. And that's the... National uh, Health Service. Yes, thank you. In the UK. And they said you can't do IVF until you until you lose a five a five whatever they call it. <laughs> it's like a stone. Stone. A five stone. So she loses like five whatever that is. I don't know. Probably I don't know I either. Think, I think she said it was a like lot? seventy pounds that she lost. Because people are like twelve stone. Right. <laughs> Man, that makes you feel a lot better, right? only way i don't know that seems like a big range why do they have to call it a stone <laughs> i don't know yeah i would think the weight loss is a lot harder 
if it takes you like 20 pounds to go down one stone. That would get discouraging. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Anyway, um, so she lost all this weight and finally the, the NHS was like, okay, now you can do IVF. So she goes through the whole thing. What? One stone is 14 pounds. There you go. Okay. Nice. Thank you for that fun fact, Sarah. So she lost like five stones. So you do the math. I can't do the math. Okay. So she goes in and she does the IVF. She goes through the egg retrieval, the fertilization, the whole thing. And then there's one detail in here that's very fuzzy that I need to know. So they do an embryo transfer and she claims that the doctor told her not to have sex before the embryo transfer, as they all do. And she was like, yeah, well, we had sex anyway. So then she gets a positive pregnancy test. They're like, woohoo, they go on vacation. They're gone. They come back from vacation. They go in for their first scan and they see triplets. And the doctor's like, what the? I only put one embryo in there. And so... <laughs> Sarah's theory is that the doctor put three embryos in. At least two. <laughs> no. So here's what they think happened. Well, yeah, all these doctors are like, that's like impossible. But okay, a couple of things. I think what it, I think it has to have been a frozen embryo transfer. Was it? It doesn't ever say. I read every single article I could find on it, and it doesn't specify. Okay, if it was frozen, that could happen. But right. I took it as a fresh embryo transfer. I did, too. But then I was like, it's just impossible if it was a fresh. Because in theory, she goes in for an egg retrieval. They take all the eggs out, and then five days later, they put one embryo in. So unless they missed some eggs and they happened to ovulate and then she had sex and she happened to get pregnant you know but mm -hmm. I think maybe it like they took all the eggs out fertilized them froze the embryos and then she went back for a frozen embryo transfer and the days leading up to that she had sex and she must have ovulated twice she has PCOS or ovulated two eggs and then got pregnant so she had an IVF baby and spontaneous twins. <laughs> and they were born at 34 weeks. Okay, well that, if it, if it was a frozen then, yes, I could see that happening. Okay, but even if it was, that's still insanely, like, the odds of that happening are so low. Maybe. It's crazy. But I'm guessing that they gave her some meds beforehand and it wasn't a natural like ovulation cycle. I don't know yeah I don't know there there some of the articles are like real sketch the way things yeah they're from the mirror which is well I read a whole but like the one I'm looking at right now is from the BBC BBC news they interviewed her and it's just I don't know. I guess it's because the general pop public doesn't know all the ins and outs of IVF. So they're just leaving out a lot of details that we need to know, people. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Betty. That's her name. <laughs> Betty. Betty. Betty with the How triplets. Old is she? 36. So is she like in her 60s? What do you mean? Because her name's Betty. Oh. 
<laughs> Betty's so cute. I think that's a cute name. It is, but it's like a grandma name. True. She, she's originally from Poland. She moved oh. to uh, to what? Did, where did I say Ireland? Yeah, Ireland. Anyway, so it says she admits she and her husband quote didn't listen to advice to remain celebrate celibate celebrate during the egg collection. She was like, it was my birth during the egg yeah, collection. Yeah, see, this one says during the egg collection, and then other ones, it's just not, it's not clear. I need more. If it's details. during the egg, cl- I can't see someone be like, let's do it. No, well, I have a bunch of eggs. Or right after you'd sit the no. retrieval, no. awful. Ugh, like you could get some infections. Ugh, but yeah, I mean. This is one of those, like, it's great that everything worked out and she has happy, healthy babies, but there's a reason they tell you not to have sex. I mean, when, when you're there's about multiple to do, reasons. there's lots of reasons. Do um, you want to be Kate Gosling? <laughs> I'm sure there's people that are, are like, yeah, I'd love to have sex, but yeah. Does she seem happy to you? <laughs> hey, if I had that haircut, I wouldn't be happy. Her hair is much better now, though. It is. But I'm talking about, you know, the original. Yeah. Like, 2006 original. version. Yeah, she was just, Kate like, Gosselin. mad all the time. Yeah. But, I mean, with that many kids, you yeah. probably have to be yelling at everyone. <laughs> Including John. He's yeah. just the seventh kid. Yeah. No, actually, Eight, he's ninth. the ninth. Yeah, ninth. So, anyway, that story's crazy. But IVF baby and then twins spontaneously conceived all in the same cycle insanity so i felt like you and i thought um well i was sensing in our facebook group that there's a lot of people that are feeling down kind of i don't know that are maybe going you think it's seasonal depression i think that's probably but it doesn't help no everyone's sad seasonal affective disorder you know it's end of January, that post-holiday depression sets in. And if you're in the Not Midwest, sun. the high temperature on Wednesday is minus 14. What is it? <laughs> yeah, you heard me right. Wait, say that again. You bleeped out, right? When, on my end. You negative, guys can hear her perfectly. Negative 14 is the high on Wednesday. Like, dang. Yeah, that's the high. So... That's enough to depress anyone and turn your heart to stone. It's just rough (laughs) out there. So we felt like this one might uh, be, I don't know, better received right now than talking about something more clinical. Should have already had. So are these mostly emotions holding you back from like doing treatments or like moving on to IVF? Yeah, it's a, it's a, well, I posed the question um, just about, like, uh, what, like, your thoughts and feelings when it comes to big changes in making, what, in, like, seeking fertility treat, whether it's the beginning stage, like, seeking fertility treatments, or if it's jumping to the next treatment, or, you know, any kind of big decision, whether it's IVF, or doing this, you know, moving to surrogacy or moving to adoption or using donor eggs or sperm or doing an IUI or any, just like, what are your thoughts and feelings on these big major changes that you have um, when you're going through fertility treatments? And 
what are some of your fears surrounding that and just what are like what helps you kind of move forward or what keeps you from moving forward that kind of thing so our first one on instagram there were some great ones on instagram so if you want to go look at that post we're not going to read all of them and as usual i'm definitely going to do some editing here because you know just for the sake of time but um if, if you guys want to read, our Instagram is totally public. It's just at Infertile Mafia Podcast. So um, this is our most recent post. This is from at Christine something. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to read the end of hers. And she said, everything in my gut was telling me to choose this path. I think with infertility, you absolutely have to listen to your gut. You know your body best. And she kind of gave the backstory on what she means by her gut was telling her to take this path. But I thought that was a good one to kick us off with of just like, it's really good to trust your gut in this situation because you have so many different like voices kind of swaying you or telling you this or that, you know? Yeah. And so it's good to really listen to your body and trust yourself. I actually, I feel like I was in the same situation as she was. Oh yeah. Like hers is because of male factor, but for us, we couldn't get pregnant unless we did IVF because I don't have any tubes. Right. So that made the decision easier. But she said that um, the hard part, the hard decision came after they had a failed cycle with no frozen embryos which happened to us too Mm -hmm. so it's like what do you do now and Mm -hmm. so it just makes you scared to try it again kind of thing yeah yeah i think one of the i think the people that in some ways are in one of the hardest situations and we're going to hear from some of them are people in the unexplained infertility category because and as i've as i've said many times that was just like the biggest mindfuck because they can always be telling themselves oh what if it's just the next cycle maybe I'll spontaneously get pregnant because they don't have a reason why they're not and so usually there has to be a reason well I know but they don't always know and then you hear I'm just saying there has to be a reason of course there's always a reason yeah but I mean I just feel like the like for you and I and a lot of people once you have a diagnosis, you're like, okay, that's why I'm not getting pregnant. And here's what I have to do now. People yeah. with the unexplained infertility diagnosis don't have that kind of closure to help them move forward. Make so. decisions. Right. Um, at Bail Bart says, it's so hard to put into words. I feel like the first six months of treatment, I was in denial, even though I was actively going to doctor appointments and receiving treatment. I'm thankful for people close to me who gently pushed me to seek help as I was very resistant because I did not want to believe that something was wrong. Um, I'm still coming to terms with the fact that one of my greatest fears in fertility has come true. The uncertainty and always waiting, waiting, waiting is very difficult. I can't wait to be through with whatever the ultimate outcome is. Yeah, very well said. It is much better being through it. Yeah. I will give you that. It is. Um, And just so much waiting in every month. It's just like heartbreak. And yeah, it's like that thing that 
um, there's this thing that's unresolved that's just always hanging over your head. And yeah. You know, it's, it's awful. At Can't Wait to Meet You says, I felt the fear. Like it was a grieving process when we found out we needed reproductive assistance. And again, when medicated cycles didn't work, I needed to grieve that too and accept that IVF was the next step for us and come to peace with it. She's right about, um, well, they both talked about fear about or even denial about needing reproductive assistance. Did you ever go through that? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I think I was just like, well, of course I do. <laughs> right. I think I accepted it readily. Yeah. Because I, I was like, yeah, that, of course I do, because nothing is easy. <laughs> so. I think I, s- I... I had a weird feeling growing up that I would have problems. Hmm. Which, and you said your mom had trouble conceiving. Yeah, she did, but she didn't think anything of it. Yeah. Which is weird. Well, I mean, what did they know about PCOS in the 80s? It didn't even have a name. Yeah, so. I mean, why would she? You said you've diagnosed her with PCOS. I have diagnosed her. (laughs) She didn't, like, go into menopause until she was, like, 55. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I think late later menopause is a PCOS thing. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, I could just be making that up. <laughs> you know how we That's like to just That's one of my theories. <laughs> I said, you know how we like to just make shit up on this show? Um, yeah, that's one of my theories, though. Somebody correct us. Yeah. We need an RE to talk to us about stuff. We're working on it. We're working on it. Um, yeah, I just, but I do think it would help if you had a, I don't, not help. It might help the denial if you had a reason already in your head to think maybe this is not going to be easy. Whereas the person who has like no context, no one in her family, no, you know, that. Yeah, you're that, just going along. You're just going la, along. La, la, la. Like, oh, my sister got pregnant on the first try. So I probably will too. Two years later, still going. Yep, that's a true story. Yep, that's my true story. Okay. (laughs) Mrs. S. Rice. Um, After an unexplained infertility diagnosis, multiple losses, multiple DVTs. uh, You know what that is? What? Deep Deep vein thrombosis. And a blood clotting disorder diagnosis, we decided to proceed with surrogacy out of a need to keep me safe and complete desperation. Everyone kept saying to me, that's so exciting. And all I could think was, is it? I was terrified. After some major soul searching, we decided surrogacy was not for us. And we are now coming to terms with our childless, not by choice life. Sad. That is sad. It is sad. Deep vein, be, uh, deep vein fibrosis. Thom- deep vein thrombosis. Deep vein thrombosis. Is very scary to me. Yeah, it is. So it's serious. It's very serious. Well, it, I mean, it could kill you like instantly. It could, which is why she realized that 
the risk of trying to get pregnant was not worth, you know, it wasn't worth it. Um, at Stevia and Michael, I wrote a blog post on my website about how I came to accept donor eggs as our future for a family. It was one of the hardest things to deal with, but once I could come up from the grief, I saw what a powerful gift I was being given. So go read her blog post. Again, that's at Stevia and Michael. No, I think it's Stevie with an I. Stevie and Michael. Michael. There you go. Yeah, that makes sense. Just, yeah, just. Yeah. So you can find her. Yeah, right. And I've just got a couple more. At Infertile Board, I've been feeling a little guilty for not being excited. Everyone around me is like, this is so exciting. But I'm trying not to get my hopes up. I'm optimistic, but very cautious. Because every time I've allowed myself to get excited, I've been crushed more than I started out. Yeah, that's the feeling you don't want to get. No, that's the reason lots of us don't get excited. And people are like, why aren't you more excited? You're getting, you're doing fertility treatments. And you're like, what do I have to be excited about yet? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's good to be thankful and excited that you can do them at all. But it, you know, you're not really, it's, it, it, the baby's not here yet. So, and have you seen her um, page lately at Infertile Board? I have not. It's great. You should go follow her if you don't already. Well, I mean, we do. Well, we do. I'm talking to the listener. Oh, I thought you were talking <laughs> to me. No. I know you follow her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the last one, and then we'll jump over to your other comments. Um, this is from at Farmer Kazri. Setting limits and boundaries around our decision. For us, that meant deciding what point we would pull the pin altogether if IVF should be unsuccessful. And giving ourselves an out gives us an end point, and that makes it easier to take the baby steps. We haven't yet reached the end point, though, and we may change our minds if we do. We also took time after a miscarriage before doing our next transfer, And I think that has helped. Take time for yourself when you think you need it. And don't let other people influence your decisions. And I think that is all like really good advice. I like the setting limits and boundaries around your decisions. And like before you're in the thick of it is a good time to do that. When you're like less likely to be super emotional. Like before you start Mm -hmm. down the path of IVF. Talk about well... How many times do you think we could do this if it doesn't work the first time? And Like she said, you can always change your mind, but it might be good to kind of be on the same page so that yeah. you're not, I'm going to do 20 egg retrievals. And your husband's like, what? I said, I could do another egg retrieval. And Peter said, no. So oh, yeah. <laughs> that's where we are. <laughs> yeah. I think we were on the opposite, like, I, w- I would have been done, and Bill would have wanted to keep going, and I would, mm. no thanks. I, yeah. You're like, this is my body, Bill. <laughs> my body, my choice. <laughs> that sounded really bitchy, and I don't... Yeah, that did. <laughs> I don't know what kind of point you're trying to make with that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> These are from the Facebook group. Right. Correct? Yes. Okay, so this one is from Carmela. 
Failed IUIs, having surgery for endometriosis, then moving on to IVF. I am terrified of that failing, which I think everyone is. Yes. We were willing to try everything we can do to bring our baby into the world. The what ifs, I'll ever be a mom haunts me every single day, but I know I will be a mom somehow or some way. And I think that's what keeps us going. Uh, Amber, no, says, no, I, I started seeing. Wait. <laughs> no, I was just, I was just sitting in that thought. Sorry, uh, I was like, uh, forgot that we were recording a podcast. No, I was just thinking awkward. about it. No, I was just thinking about how scared you are that it's that it's going to fail anytime you try something any month, whether it's just an ovulation drug or it's you know full blown IV or something else. Really, like anything. Yeah. Life is just fear of failing. <laughs> or fear of being successful if you're lazy. <laughs> like, what if I'm successful at this and I have to keep doing oh, it? Oh, crap. <laughs> do I want to do that? Or do I just want to watch TV? That's what kept me from being a doctor. Right. That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah, not like yeah, my grades. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Anyway, Amber said, I started seeing a counselor shortly after we got the news that we needed to do IVF. I was in a dark place and needed help getting out. Best decision I ever made. As much as the journey sucks, I am now somewhat grateful for the struggle because it led me to meet so many strong and resilient women that gave me courage to never give up. I agree. You know, I was thinking about this last night. Most of my, like, pretty much all of my internet friends have dealt with infertility. (laughs) And those are, like, the majority of the people I interact with. I don't have... Even though it's through a computer. I don't have any non... I don't have any fertile internet friends. (laughs) They're all... Which made me wonder, what do normal people do? (laughs) Like, are they just alone and don't talk to anyone? I don't know. They have real friends just, in real life, which is why they're not on the internet. They're <laughs> out with their three-dimensional friends. I don't think I would have, like, I have friends from college and high school, like a couple that I still talk to. But besides that, I mean, this is the beauty of the internet. It's great. I mean, it, it's so cheesy, but it really is like a great thing that has brought i mean it it really is i know i know it's super cheesy on the other hand one of these days there we're gonna have to read every day at least every day i get some random troll on my youtube channel yeah i i don't understand how you get mean people i think i get okay i get trolled the most on the video that i did about my miscarriage I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Um, Because it's titled like my miscarriage using cytotech. So I think women that are wanting to do an abortion, like to choose to abort, look it up on YouTube and one of mine pops up and then they hate on me for like, I don't know, because I I made some not having an abortion. I don't know. But I, 
I always get trolls on that video. <laughs> well, that's messed up. I think as I, t- I mean, I talked about like, this is an abortion drug, but I'm not do- using it for an abortion. I'm having a miscarriage and that sucks because I wanted this baby and I'm like crying through the video and yeah. Anyway, but what I was going to say was one of these days, just for funsies, we could read some of my troll comments. Do you want me to find them? Sure. Because I can find them. Yeah, do that. Find them, hunt them <laughs> down. <laughs> no, because just you, like I've made such wonderful friends like yourself, but it also you, I mean, sharing your life publicly, you open yourself up to these crazy haters too. But totally worth it, Sarah. I don't know. I think I think you're like polarizing. Maybe you think so? People yeah. love me or hate me. Please don't hate yeah. me. Yeah. And I I definitely say more people love you. You have a lot of subscribers. Well. I mean, <laughs> you in sound my surprised. <laughs> well, I didn't realize you had 8300 subscribers. Well, I don't I don't know why I do cuz I never post anything. Anyway, The only point I was making was that, you know, it's great that I've made such good friends, but for anyone that's in our position, especially it's it's just on the topic of infertility to have people troll you or anything that's that personal, it's, I, it can really sting, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But it's, but I mean, like I said, it's still worth it because I've made such good friends, so... You know, I'm glad Amber has found that, too. Going back to the comment. All that to say, <laughs> thanks for the comment, <laughs> Amber. Um, Farrell, is that how you would say? We need to once and for all figure out how to say her name. You correct us, okay? Farrell. It looks like Farrell. Yeah, I think so. Farrell. She asks a question of everyone. Does anyone else find themselves doing this thing? where you subconsciously are talking yourself out of having children to maybe protect yourself. I think I'm preparing myself for failure and looking for reasons to not have kids. And it's so frustrating. No advice here. Just your usual run of the mill and fertile rant. <laughs> yes. 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 I totally did that. I've talked <laughs> um, on this podcast about how I went like kind of buck wild after my first IVF didn't work. And I was like, screw this. I'm going to act like I'm 19 fresh in, you know, like summer break out of college and go, you fill in the blanks. <laughs> That's all I'll say. I mean, I don't think that you were sleeping with random people. No, I wasn't having any affairs, but aside <laughs> from that. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. And I did. I had that selfish attitude. And and it it even got in my head, like, maybe I really shouldn't be a mom because look how I'm acting. (laughs) Oh. So. Was Bill going along with it or was he like? Um, God bless that man because he. I had a a moment of lucidity at some point and I was and I wrote him a letter and I was like yeah old school like handwritten and I I just said listen I know I'm not myself and I'm acting crazy and I'm really sorry I'm just going through this the 
only way that I'm just coping with it, the only way I know how, and thank you for sticking with me. <laughs> because Aww. he was just sort of steadfast through the whole thing, whereas I was, like, kind of going off the deep end in some ways. So I get that. and Just the, the denial of, like, oh, well, just screw that. It's not going to work anyway. I'm just going to do me to protect yourself. I went the opposite direction. <laughs> what does that look like? I lost 20 pounds. Sounds... And I was, like, super strict on eating. And I was kind of working out. I mean, I don't know how great I was at working out. but So between the two stories you've just heard, <laughs> someone modeled a healthy behavior. Someone else. I don't know if I would say it was healthy because I was still like bitter and stuff, but I put my frustration into like changing myself. Yeah. Because you had control over that. Yeah. I still contest that that is a healthier choice than what I did. <laughs> it, yeah, it probably is. Um, this other one is from an anonymous. This is from anonymous. This is from anonymous. Words, they're hard. So she wrote us this long thing about how she knew something was wrong and her OB kept ignoring her. And then through, anyway, all oh, of this testing. And her husband was eventually diagnosed with a pituitary tumor. Right. Which makes me wonder, yeah. was his motility bad? Well, she so she wrote about it in the post on the Facebook group. She's gave us more details, but... I wanted to just read the end portion because I thought it was really um, worth sharing. So this is after she finds out her husband has this pituitary tumor. So in July, we finally decide to go and go all in with IVF. Our mantra through this, through all this is we just need a win. It's been such a crazy journey. And in hindsight, I wish we had just gone straight to IVF, but I can acknowledge that had everything worked out perfectly, we would have never found his tumor. So in some odd way, our infertility had a purpose. As a side note, after several scars, scares, probably scars and scares, multiple x-rays, MRIs, and CAT scans, they cannot find any other tumors, so they have officially declared it a relatively harmless tumor. Um, but it's good to know. Yeah. You know. Tubers on your pituitary gland are usually harmless and somewhat common. Unless they get, I guess, unless they grow. So for women, they are found more often because uh, they affect women more. The prolactin? Yeah, like a smaller tumor will cause more of an effect but with guys you don't they don't find the tumor until it's like too big usually unless there's a problem with hormones and stuff at least you know he has the tumor yes um yeah i mean if you have it ever has to be removed i think they go up through your nose (laughs) what better than going through your skull (laughs) jenna says i kept putting that first step wow first step off i had all the test results that said everything was essentially normal so i kept thinking just one more month 
This will be the month, just one more lifestyle change, supplement, fertility, lubricant, expensive ovulation tracker. I was terrified of medicated cycles not working and being forced to do something more. Ironically, our first round of Clomid worked, but ended in an early miscarriage. So I'm still in a similar spot mentally as I was before we took that step. Mm. Sorry about your miscarriage, Jenna. But yeah, show of hands, if you've ever thought that same thing, one more month, or if I try tweaking this one thing, that'll be the thing that seals the deal. Yeah. I had less stress. Right. Yeah. Hey, Sarah, sidebar, can you read my cup? Probably whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Is it whiskey? It's not. (laughs) Oh, I kind of wish. Isn't whiskey? What are you drinking? Isn't whiskey good for a cold? Right. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Hot toddy. No, it's tea. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell what I'm drinking? Uh. Well, it's in a of... wine. Gla- it's in a pineapple wine glass. Yeah. I love those glasses. Where did you get them? I got them from Paula. Oh, nice. A fellow infertile <laughs> internet friend. Yeah, we have seen each other multiple times. Like, she has flown in twice. No, three times. That's awesome. one time she brought pineapple glasses. Beth says, I personally put off going to the RE for a while because I was in denial that anything was wrong. The main thing I've learned through this whole experience is to follow your gut and advocate for yourself. I wish I would have pushed for testing earlier. It would have saved me months of pain and heartache. And Sarah, how many times have we heard that over and over and over again? So many times. So many times. So if you're listening to this for the first time and you're just dipping your toe into the pool of infertility, just go to the doctor. I I think the denial thing is, I know both of us said that we didn't experience that like personally but i feel like a lot of women do like no you know like admitting well and there's another one coming that so i'll save it but yeah go ahead read brett's brett said throughout my process of diagnosis after diagnosis the thing that kept me moving forward was researching how i could overcome the diagnosis and what i could do to make sure i had the best care possible from the doctor trying to resolve the issues. I am 100% a problem solver and solving the issue of infertility has been by far my most ambitious problem. I have no hesitation saying that I made it a full-time job (laughs) and definitely slacked off my real full-time job during the process. Uh, Me too. I feel like I'm the same way. (laughs) Yeah. I think all three of us, although I would say Brett is like, from what we don't know her personally, but what we know of her, she, yeah, she goes hard on that research, guys. She does. She knows her shit. So if she comments on your post, you know you're going to get some information. If she comments on your post, it's it's been well researched. I feel like she's the type that will go to the ends of the rabbit hole, you know, like we'll read everything. She's not just like taking anecdotal anecdotal advice from like the lady down the street who you know she's like my mom is your mom like that 
Mm-hmm. She's like the 20 questions person. Where you're like, why would you even ask that? <laughs> I don't know what color their house is. That has nothing to do with this. I do think, though, that you and I have that to some extent, too. I mean, we do. And I think what she's talking about is, or at least I'll speak for myself. Maybe this is what she's saying that, um, like, for example, when I found out I had compound heterozygous MTHFR, I was a complete sponge and like could not get enough information about it. And I feel like a lot of us do the same thing where once you find a diagnosis, then you want to go to the end of the rabbit hole to like figure out what are my options and what's going to be the best thing for me. And it's something you can control, like researching anyway. And the more information you have, the better informed you are, the more confident you're going to be in your decision. So it's a good thing. Yeah. Instead I of- definitely did that yeah. too for my tubes. Like when I found out they were blocked, I knew before the surgery so I did so much research and I was on Baby Center and I was like in a block tube group and I was looking at how many people had their tubes unblocked and then got pregnant versus people oh, yeah. who ended up having them removed and like there were supplements people were taking and after a couple of years, maybe they got pregnant. But the numbers kind of spoke for themselves that usually if your tubes are blocked, they are not going to start working again right so that's why like when i went to the consultation right before the surgery i was like just take them out (laughs) don't try to fix them don't wait for another surgery to take them out just take them out if they look like they need to be taken out but you were more confident with that decision because you had researched it to death you know yes right oh yes (laughs) yeah so I felt the same way about the the MTHFR diagnosis is like. So Do you think that the, uh, did I send you that website about like the markers for MTHFR? I don't know. Do you remember I texted you about that? Like those random things and then it ended up being like an anti-vax oh. <laughs> vaccination thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, what's happening here? Yeah, I was like, I have these things. Do I have MHFT blah, 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 blah? The mother effer. Just call it the mother effer. But then I was like, wait, this this is someone saying don't get vaccinated. (laughs) Like, how did it turn into this? Yeah, they snuck in there. Those people are real sneaky. (laughs) Yeah. They really are. What does that? It wasn't even, it was like one of those websites that, are fake the fake science websites right which you have to be careful about speaking of doing research on the internet like there's a lot of them there was one that i saw someone sharing about toothpaste like how it's so horrible and then i like read up on the website it was on it was like all bullshit (laughs) yeah you gotta use reputable sources when it comes to something as big as you know your health or doing surgeries or anything like that so the combination of you doing your own research is great, but then having a doctor that you trust, you know, of course, is paramount. Yeah, and you need to make sure your research is coming from, like... Yeah, right. An actual 
science journal and not like one of those fake websites that's like fertility are us yeah or whatever like <laughs> get well now <laughs> okay gina jamie <laughs> jamie oh i guess i'm i almost skipped jamie <sighs> rude uh, Jamie says re- she was recently diagnosed with PCOS and doing ovulation drugs. I honestly don't know how I will handle moving to IUI or IVF or if we'll even be able to with our finances. But my husband and I decided years ago that if we aren't able to have children of our own, we'll just own a bunch of dogs and buy a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. I'm just picturing Jamie and her husband just sailing away into the abyss with a bunch of dogs. <laughs> it sounds... What kind of dogs are we talking here? <laughs> yeah. Because my dogs hate water. <laughs> okay. Last but not least, Gina says, after three years of not trying but not preventing and one year of trying, I was more than ready to start seeing an RE. Not knowing what was wrong was causing my brain to play the worst kind of what-if game, and I just craved answers. I can relate to that. Even though I'm a feminist, I couldn't shake this devastating gut feeling that I was defective as a woman because I couldn't get pregnant. Trust me, I know how 1950s that sounds, but I still struggle with ridiculous negative thoughts, but I'm starting to get get better at convincing them to fuck off. Good for you, Gina. Going forward, I have quite a few fears. I'm afraid that infertility will gut my relationship, my finances, my health, both mental and physical. But my biggest fear is that my desire to have a baby will become an all-out obsession and I'll turn into a shell of the person I am now. Yeah, pretty dark. Uh, Catastrophizing. (laughs) You know what I mean. Is a skill I've perfected. I've never seen that as a verb. Oh, yeah? Did I say it yeah. right, do you think? Yeah. Sure. I haven't either. I, yeah, catastrophe. You think of it as a noun. It's a catastrophe. Yeah. Catastrophizing. A anyway, on that note, I'm doing my best to lean on my partner, my friends, and the wonderful people in this community for support. Sharing my thoughts and fears about infertility has made a world of difference so far. And I have faith that it always will. So I thought that was a good one to end on because I think it's great that all of you share your fears and your thoughts and all, you know, all this crazy stuff rolling around in your head about these big decisions. It's really scary. We know that. And um, we hope that sharing that you're not the only one going through that is helpful for you. Yeah. And I don't think feeling defective is anti-feminist. <laughs> no. I just want to put that out I think there. that's just a normal human way to feel sometimes. It'd be like if you had to be on dialysis, you'd be like, my kidneys are defective. <laughs> you expect them to work. Yeah. I mean, sure, we all yeah. expect certain things of ourselves, and when our expectations aren't met, we are self-conscious about it, or mad, or upset, or frustrated, or whatever, fill in the blank, so... Or maybe it's your biological programming. (laughs) Meaning what? Like biologically, you're driven to have kids. Mm. Usually. Some people aren't. I don't know. 
That's a, what am I saying? That's a different. I'm making that up. That's a that's not a very feminist thing to say. <laughs> How is that not? I'm not. I feel like it's neither here nor there as far as feminism goes. It's not. I would say old feminists that rejected the idea that all women. I'm not saying feminists now because I feel like the definition of feminism has taken on a new and a better meaning in recent history but the old kind of what you think of a feminist is that radical who rejects the idea that all women should be like barefoot and pregnant housewives and all you're made all you're put on this earth for is to create babies and that's the only thing you should ever want to do that's not what i'm saying like i'm saying people have the drive to want to like reproduce or else you wouldn't true but i think some i think some quote feminists would argue now today that just because you have the drive to do it intellectually doesn't mean that that's something you want if that makes sense yeah like i want to eat a cheeseburger every day but I know that that's not something that that I actually like I have the urge to do it but I know it's not really something I want to do every day. That's a bad example. A cheeseburger and a baby, not the same thing. I want to drink coke every day. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's just that thing of like blurring the lines between yes, what's like actual physiologically, biologically innate in humans and then what is a construct of our society that's put on Whoa. us. <laughs> Whoa. You just got deep, real deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, and since this is not a podcast about deep things, let's move on to Out of the Box. I'd say it's about deep things. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Infertility is super deep. I know. We try not to get too deep for too long because we're not trying to get anyone to spiral into a deep depression. (laughs) No. All right. So I made a list here. Which one do you want to talk about? Uh, I haven't watched The the Handmaid's Tale. Oh, these were just like I was going to tell people some things I've enjoyed lately. So we don't have to talk about them. Oh, but yeah, we can talk about TV. I love TV. I thought you would pick that one. (laughs) I watched The Handmaid's Tale months ago, though, but I don't think I've talked mm. about it on the podcast. What do you, I don't know how you even d- describe it. It's like this crazy, effed up, dystopian society where they take they take up all the fertile people in the world and, and make or in the U.S. and make them make babies for all the infertile people. It's a real switcheroo <laughs> than what we're used to. <laughs> <laughs> it's messed up i i uh actually checked out the book from my library oh did from you an app but i only got to like through the first three pages oh. <laughs> i guess it wasn't that captivating and then the second one was the marvelous mrs Maisel, which i've just binged and it was great if you want Love it yeah i loved it if you want something light and fun, like if you're in that kind of place that you need something to get your mind off of all the crazy infertility bullshit, go binge that. And if you binge that and you yeah, loved really it, funny. like go listen to podcasts about it. <laughs> Who's your favorite character on that show? 
Susie. Prob- hmm. Yeah, I like her. Alex Forstein. She's so good. Yeah. Or the dad. I love the dad. Yeah, he's monk, monk right? Yeah. Tony Shalhoub. And then the last one is called, it's a documentary, true crime, Sarah, you would like this, on Netflix called The Keepers. Is that about the Catholic Church? Yeah. I couldn't remember what it was called, so when I went to look it up, I couldn't Someone recommended it. this in our Facebook group a long time ago, and I finally got around to watching it. Fascinating. So it was good. It was very good. You, it starts off as just this sweet little nun gets murdered, and then they slowly peel back all the layers of the onion, and it's about all the crazy sex scandals that were getting covered up in the Catholic Church. Yeah. Oh. I should have ended on The Marvelous Mrs. Baseball. <laughs> Shoot. So I saw today that there's this new series coming out on TNT called I Am the Night. Okay. That looks good. No, I've heard about that. What's it about? I'm not quite sure what the story is, but it's based on the Black Dahlia. (gasps) Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, because I heard Karen and Georgia talk about it on My Favorite Murder. That's where I heard it. That's all I got. And you love your Vanderpump rules. Oh, yeah. That's on tonight. Okay, oh, and I wanted to talk about a book that's coming out today. Oh, yeah. Just wanted to mention it. Have you started reading it? No. I've started reading it, but I haven't gotten too far through it. Tell us about it. It's by Dr. Schoolcraft from the Colorado Center for Reproductive Medicine. Look at you pulling that out. What? I said, look at you pulling that out. And that's one of the most, like, well-known regarded infertility clinics in the U.S. Yeah, I was going to go there. A lot of people go there, you know, after two or three attempts haven't worked. Yeah, I was either there or going to the, the local doctor that I ended up going with, which I'm glad I did. But I was like, I'm not going to mess around. Right. Isn't so, there rumor on the street that their embryologists are, like, cut above the rest? That's what I hear. Probably. I mean, you have to have, like, your embryologist pretty much has to be really good. I mean, they're the well. unsung hero of an IVF cycle. They are. But uh, Dr. Schoolcraft is someone you may see if you go to CCRM. And he wrote a book, and they sent it to us. So you can get a copy today on the 29th of January. So this book comes out today, and it focuses on, let's see. It focuses on recurrent miscarriage, age-related infertility, and um, donor eggs, and then um, gestational carry- carriers, genetic testing, and then, oh, chapter three is called Frozen Embryos Are Better Than Fresh. I feel like getting this book, you will learn a lot about IVF, basically. Yeah. What's it like called Like if you're again? about to do, it is called, 
Your Fertility, Your Family by William Schoolcraft, MDHCLD, and the staff at CCRM, and Juliana Rancic writes the first chapter. Because she went to them. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. Because she's like, I'm going to go to the best. Right. Of course. And so that's what this book is about. I think it would be a good book for someone who's looking into IVF or even fertility preservation. Right. All right. Well, thanks. In the future, we're going to talk about fertility preservation and all that. But we are. And when we finally read it, we'll give it a proper review. Yes. I'm not all the way through because, like I said, I don't have as much reading time as I would like. I mean, I'm one of those people TV who start or reading. Read, I get a TV. <laughs> if I could just sit there and like zone out and play on my phone and watch TV, or scroll Facebook, Insta- yeah, or Instagram. Speaking of Facebook, you can yeah. join our closed Facebook groups called the Infertile Mafia and the Infertile Mafia Bosses and Babies. You can follow us on Instagram at Infertile Mafia Podcast. Feel free to send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to hear more talk about eggs and balls and stuff and our resolve campaign. Don't, so that yeah, comes don't the, forget about yeah, that rating and review. Um, yeah. So every review in the month of January, which ends in two days. You've right? got two days, yeah. guys. Two days. So every review we get, we are putting $5 towards Resolve. Yeah, we're donating $5 for every review. So thank you for everyone who's written a review. It's awesome. Yes, and Resolve is a for infertility support organization. Correct. Right. And next week, I think we're going to talk about fertility diets, fads, in particular the keto diet. So. Yeah. It's going to get hot in here. <laughs> there, yeah. <laughs> we we There's are going that. to give you perspectives on both sides, and you can make your own educated decision about what is right for you. Because there's so much confusion yes. about this stupid diet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know about it because I did it, but. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows about it. I just think it's like there's so much confusion around it. Like, and why does one doctor say do it and another one adamantly says don't? And we're going to explore that. So, you know, I think most doctors are saying to do it now. And most nutritionists are saying don't. So, <laughs> I don't know. I came across a nutritionist who said to do it. So, I don't know. We'll find Some out. Some nutritionists <laughs> hate it. And that's like, yeah. It'll be interesting. And as always, guys, thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Bye. Call me. Call me. Call me.